This is a Federal News Network podcast. Whatever the country's energy future will turn out to be, it will require advances in science and technology. That's where my next guest comes in. The Senate confirmed her late last month as director of the Energy Department's Advanced Research Projects Agency. Dr. Evelyn Wang joins me now. Dr. Wang, good to have you with us. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me on the show. And I guess my first question is, what attracted you to come to ARPA-E from a great job leading mechanical engineering at MIT? Is it because maybe the federal government is the only thing that's less political than higher education? Uh, That's a really good question. I've certainly enjoyed my time as a professor in mechanical engineering at MIT. In fact, that as a professor in my area of research, which is in heat transfer, I've worked with ARPA-E from almost the start of RPE, and I was funded in a program called KEAT, where we were working on a thermal battery for electric vehicles. And that's what inspired me to think about these high-impact, potentially transformative energy solutions. And it really has led the way and paved the way for me as I continue to work in research in various areas that RPE had supported. And that's what really led me here, because I'm excited about the mission and about the opportunities and the needs that we have in the very near future. And I'm looking at your bio, and you have done research in heat and mass transport processes with nano-engineered materials. You mentioned thermal battery work. That doesn't sound exactly like what I think of when I think of mechanical engineering, I guess, until you get to the nano-engineered part. So how does mechanical engineering and energy transfer all tie together? Mechanical engineering is a very broad field. And traditionally, often you can think about a mechanical engineering system like a heat engine. And so that, in fact, does involve thermodynamics, heat transfer, fluid mechanics. And so I would say that while there are a lot of new opportunities beyond heat engines now, which leverage new materials design, controls, and all other aspects of the field of mechanical engineering, I will say that heat transfer is a very important part, especially in thinking about the future of energy. Got it. And so thermal batteries and heat engines, these are words that are not quite into the popular lexicon yet, though, are they? That's right. So a thermal battery is something that ARPA-E came up with in the sense that when they were looking at electric vehicles and trying to think about what limits deployment of electric vehicles, the battery gets significantly drained because of the HVAC system. So the heating and cooling of your cabin drains a lot of the battery and it can reduce the driving range about 30 to 40 percent. So ARPA-E proposed a program focused on developing a thermal battery that's meant to not drain the electric vehicle battery supply and have a separate source for providing heating and cooling to the electric vehicle. I guess nobody wants to live without air conditioning and crank windows anymore, huh? That's right. Comfort is a priority for most consumers. All right. So arriving at ARPA-E, you've only been there, what, barely a month. What have you seen so far? How does it impress you? I've been so excited to be here. It's actually been only about two and a half weeks in, so I still have a lot to learn. But it's already a very busy time because we have many things going on upcoming So some of the things that we're working on right now is improving semiconductor material to create a more capable grid, undergrounding our grid, validating marine carbon dioxide removal techniques, 
and exploring ways to support an intermodal freight transportation network. And so, for example, moving freight by two or more modes of transportation, such as with trucks, trains, and cargo ships, is an opportunity space we're looking at. I will also mention that what's also in our horizon is the ARPA-E Energy Innovation Summit. This is an annual summit where it brings people together from ARPA-E performers to members of the VC community to think about America's energy challenges in new and innovative ways. And this year, the summit will be held nearby at the Gaylord National Convention Center in the National Harbor in Maryland from March 22nd to 24th. So we hope that there will be many people that attend. And if there's interest in joining us, you can go to rpe-summit.com to learn more. All right. We're speaking with Dr. Evelyn Wang. She's director of the Advanced Research Projects Agency at the Energy Department, ARPA-E. And as the director, you bring a lot of science and research background, but there are a lot of processes in terms of deciding who gets grants and how much money the different grantees get, which projects should be funded and by how much. So how do you divide your brain, I guess, between the bureaucratic processes of making sure the money is used wisely and also understanding what is worthy of being funded and what is just pie in the sky and really maybe not worth exploring any further? We have a great team here, and in particular, the program directors work on trying to define the white spaces by which there are opportunities for us to really transform the energy landscape. And so, in fact, they pitch ideas that become eventual programs that then we go out and solicit from various people, whether it's from researchers from industry or academia or national labs, and we really try to solicit all sorts of the kind of -of out-of-the-box thinking, innovative ideas to address the problem space. And ARPA-E is an agency where we try to work on a variety of options to solve a problem. So it's a portfolio approach So allows us to now be able to take risk, but also see the options that are available so that when we think about the policymakers, we can inform policymakers what is possible within the energy technologies. Because the Energy Department has had a program for some time running now that is looking into a next generation of nuclear reactor, and that's not windmills, and that's not solar, and it's not batteries, small, easily, more cheaply deployable and safer and all of this. Will that continue? Is this part of the portfolio also? So ARPA-E works on all sorts of energy solutions and technologies. We also collaborate across all the other parts of the DOE. And so with the nuclear aspects, we always love to collaborate with them, but we also like to think of potentially the higher risk opportunities that are important to be able to make nuclear a reality in the future. And so that's a yes, that it is part of the possible mix. Yes. All right. And what about things that combust? Do they have a future? If somehow someone can say, hey, look, we have a way of combusting natural gas or gasoline or even diesel fuel in such a way that XYZ is the output, that would also be possible and considered on the table, too? As I mentioned, we look at a variety of energy solutions, but what's very important when we think about combustion is CO2 emissions. And so ARPA-E has also worked on looking at how do we mitigate 
CO2 emissions, as we know that it's critical for us to get to net zero by 2050. And so we look at a variety of solutions, but we have to consider the impacts on the environment. So if there's some way of putting the CO2 into the air conditioning system where it stayed there, we'd really have something. Absolutely. And I think solutions that have been looked at, such as direct air capture, there's opportunities to think about how we make it more scalable, low cost, so that they can be readily available in all sorts of different technologies. And just a quick question, if you would, that caught my ear is the new semiconductor technology in order to make the grid more reliable. Could we just get a little detail on that idea? Sure. We've been working on semiconductors for quite some time, and a lot of it is actually control of the grid to be able to now distribute the electricity where you need it, when you need it, especially during emergencies. And so power electronics play a very critical role in thinking about grid infrastructure and the reliability of the grid. And so this is an area that RPE has pursued for some time, but in different opportunity spaces. And as we think about the future, I think there are ways to be switching fast in terms of the power electronics designs and mechanisms to be able to do that, say, through optical methods, RF, as well as other means. And in power electronics, you're sometimes talking about transistors that are the size of a hockey puck. That's right. And sometimes smaller, right? So each individual transistor can be smaller than the diameter of your hair. Right. So this type of research then focuses on the large power switching gear as well as the control mechanisms that would cause the switch to take place. So microelectronics and macro, you might say, together. That's right. I would say it's multiple-scaled approach to be able to address these problems. Dr. Evelyn Wang is director of the Advanced Research Projects Agency of the Energy Department, ARPA-E. Thanks so much for joining me. And can we check back with you in six months and get an update? Absolutely. I would love that. Thank you for having me. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on the go. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get-involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost... uh... Shane, it's almost immeasurable, the things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics. I, um, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from, from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of, of people with intellectual disabilities and, and, and physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually, usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit, you know, they, they basically were in direct care. And, and I will say, and on a, obviously we'll say about my, my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but, uh, the, the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are, are really, um, you know, we, we can't do enough to salute them. 
Um, they're they're really heroes. And um, so I was I was drawn when I, I and I just saw that, you know, Special Olympics was looking for someone. And I thought, well, you know, take a look at it and see, see you know, throw, send in my information. And lo and behold, I, I, I get hired and um, I learn. Uh, every day, almost something from, especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington, D.C. And, you know, uh, Terrell, who, who works in, in our mailroom, who comes by with packages and deliveries. Uh, if you're having a day that's, you know, getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by, always happy, always enthused uh has a has a good story like it can just turn a day around for you and 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 you think of i i you know so often when he'll walk away i'll be like you know whatever was bothering me or whatever is you know stressing me out and come on you know like look at look at terrell like he he, he faces everything with optimism and 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 i've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the united states and globally you see people who have had everything stacked against them you know, their parents, when they were born, were often told this is a tragedy and you should, you should, you know, send your, this child away. Don't, don't, you know, and kind of forget about them, Get, turn them over to the state or, or wherever. And, and, you know, that, you know, just kind of wash, wash your hands of it. Um, and, and, and in, in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and, but they've still faced enormous challenges, you know, and, but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming and, uh, and, and, you know, besting their times from, from their last competition. And they're so committed and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs. And, and, and I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from a the athletes of Special Olympics that uh, I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more, uh, we get more than we give. Uh, working with Special Olympics, it, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do, but but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That that you know, it's a and it's so unique and it's so uh, joyful and and uh, I mean, we work hard and you know, we we're up against you know the things that nonprofits are up against and you know the you know the issues of the day. But uh, man, you see, it, it, and 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 the inclusion and the at Special Olympics, no one's excluded. You know, no, right. no one's excluded. Everyone yeah. is equal at Special Olympics. And, and, you know, in a country that's quite divided on so many lines, politically and uh, socially, uh, economically, race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot. But you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics in experience the power of Special Olympics for themselves, I, I, I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um, to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference. How, how do we get, how can listeners get involved in Special Olympics? Ways to get involved? Uh, tons of ways. So uh, volunteers, obviously, coaches, officials, 
Um, and, and the thing that, that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I mentioned earlier, um, where people, and, and it doesn't have to be, uh, it's not just school age, it's, it's uh, you know, we say nine to 99 or uh, year old uh, folks uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together. Uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think, when you when you go back to the founding uh, of our organization, what Mrs. Tri- Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to, to uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences. And that our athletes, man, are some of the grittiest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out at, you know, uh, specialolympics.org on, on our website. Uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where, what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll, uh, Talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.